morning, our journey through the Minor Prophets brings us to Jonah. Hey, at least one we've heard of, huh? You know, Jonah is a literary masterpiece. It really is. And it has, even though it's an ancient piece of literature, has several contemporary lessons for us. Uh, it's a shame that we've kind of relegated Jonah to a children's story. Uh, but Jonah it deserves uh, more than just one class time and one sermon, but that's all that our schedule allows for. You see, Jonah was one of the most important figures from the Old Testament in the minds of early Christians in the first century, uh, probably stemming from Jesus' remark when he compared himself to Jonah and said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days in the heart of the earth. In fact, the symbol of Jonah and the fish is the earliest Christian symbol that we have a record of. Before we have any other scratchings and etchings on caves and tombs of early Christians of the cross or of the ichthus, First of all, we have Jonah. In fact, I want to show you a picture. I think this comes out well enough that you can kind of make that out. This is the earliest Christian uh, tomb that has been discovered. And there on the tomb is an etching of the huge fish spitting something which kind of might look like Jonah out of it, okay? And the obvious parallel is that uh, of resurrection, that when the early Christians buried their dead, They remembered Jonah three days in the fish and then being put out on dry land. And Jesus three days in the tomb and then living once again. Here's another depiction of Jonah coming out of the huge sea monster there. Uh, We normally call that thing a whale, but we realize that the terminology is more a huge fish. And by the way, It's thought by some people that this analogy between Jonah and Jesus is the reason that Christianity did go on and claim the fish as its kind of official symbol, the ichthus, and that uh, because the Greek word for fish is ichthus, they made an acrostic out of ichthus, and in Greek that is Iesus Christos Theouios Soter. Uh, And if you take the first letter of each of those words, uh, it spells the word ichthus, which means fish, which means Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Uh, But it's interesting that even the ichthus may go back to Jonah. So we need to know Jonah. We need to uh, uh, deal with him and hear his messages. So we're going to read the second chapter of Jonah, and this is the psalm. That was um, uh, that was written that commemorates what Jonah was thinking about as he was sinking down in the ocean and drowning, and then was swallowed up by that fish and taken back to the shore. And God told him to get to Nineveh and to preach. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this: the word of God. Jonah said, "I called to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried." And you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I ever look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. 
The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. And I went down. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet, you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. O those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Or in jo- Jonah's words, Yeshua, Ladonai. May God bless the reading of his word. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Excuse me, private jokes here. Jonah was going down for the last time. The author of Jonah wants us to know that Jonah had been going down for a long time. Whenever he was called by God to go to that big, powerful, scary city of Nineveh and to preach, instead of heading to Nineveh, he turned and went the other way and went down to Joppa. And once he was in Joppa, he went down to a ship that was headed to Tarshish, as far away from Nineveh as he could get. And then once he was on the ship, he went down into the hold of the ship, the very bottom of the ship. And there he went to sleep. Because you see, Going down can be very tiring. But God wasn't through with Jonah yet. And he sent a great storm that, that rocked that ship and tossed it to and fro so bad that the sailors on the ship. Now, these guys, well, you know sailors. <laughs> they're, they're tough, right? And these guys were from all over the world. They had been through a lot. But this storm was so bad that they were scared to death and were calling out to their various national gods for deliverance. They even went down and asked Jonah to pray, but Jonah refused to pray. So they cast lots, and they determined that they were in this problem because of Jonah. And so they went and asked him, Jonah, what did you do? To which Jonah said, well, I'm running away from the God who created the sea and the dry land. To which they replied, way to go, Jonah. Here's your sign. Jonah said, if you want the storm to stop, just throw me overboard. God's after me. It's interesting. I I wish we had more time. There's so much of Jonah to explore. But I find these sailors fascinating in that even after Jonah tells them if he will just throw them overboard, they refuse. They go back up and try to get the ship to make it with Jonah. You know, these old guys that have probably seen so much in their lives, and yet they care about this guy that's brought all this trouble on them. 
And they do their best, but until it gets to the point that the ship is actually breaking up. And they say, we don't know what else to do. So they throw Jonah overboard. He begins to sink down into the ocean, to the sea there. And then when the storm stops, they offer sacrifices to the Lord, to the God who made the sea and the dry land. Well, let's catch back up with Jonah, though. Where is Jonah? Jonah's in the water. Jonah is sinking down. And chapter 2 that we read just a moment ago, it tells us in a psalm what that experience was like and what Jonah was thinking about. It's not surprising that he realizes that he's going down again. And he realizes that this time he is going down for the last time. He says it this way. He says, I am going down to the land where the prison bars will close over me forever. I'm dead. And he uses words like distress. You can imagine. He was distressed because he was drowning. But he was really distressed because he was dying having run away from God. He says, I can feel my life ebbing away. And then he says he feels like he is in the belly of Sheol. He said, I'm in the pit. Let me translate that for you. What he's saying is, I feel like I'm already in hell. Now that's a word we can understand. Hell is a serious word. We use it or I don't, you don't probably, but people use it just as a byword now. But it's a serious concept. Hell, literally, is the place of eternal torment, which was prepared for the devil and his angels and anyone who runs away from the Lord. And Jonah, though he's not quite physically dead yet, feels like he's already there. That he's already in hell. Now, with this many people in this room, there's some folks that can relate to that. Maybe even right now. Now, your personal hell may have begun, much like Jonah's, running away from God. Here is God, I'm going the other way. But that's not the only way we can find ourselves feeling like we are living in hell. Our own personal hell can, become with the, can come with the loss of a loved one, with the loss of a job, with the death of a marriage, or with a diagnosis in a doctor's office. And whatever the circumstances that may have brought you to the point of being able to identify with Jonah and what's going on in his life. Jonah's psalm has a word for you. Jonah's psalm was written to tell you something. Now, I want to warn you. When you hear what this word is, if you are really there right now, if you are experiencing what Jonah experienced, I already know what your reaction is going to be. You're going to say, that's it? 
That's all there is? That's the word that's supposed to help me? I don't see how that'll work at all. But Jonah challenges so many of our preconceptions. Jonah challenges so many of our misconceptions. Jonah lets us know that just because we think this is the way it is, that may not be the way it is. That God's reality can be different from what we have decided that reality is. Already he has challenged our idea, Jonah has, that we can run away from God and that God will let us go, that he won't come after us. Already he has challenged our, pre- our preconception that our relationship with God is a very fragile thing and that if we do something, then he's just out of there and says, I just leave them alone. Already he has challenged our preconception that most people out there don't really care much about God and that there's no real need to say anything to them about God because they're not going to listen anyway. There's so many things that Jonah challenges us to rethink. And one of the most important things he challenges us to rethink is what we do when we're in hell. Here's what he says. Are you ready? Verse 2. Out of my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Verse 7, as my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you. In other words, my prayer got through. Now see, I told you, you think that won't work. I've tried that, I've had people tell me. My problems are beyond just a few prayers. I tried praying when this first happened, when I first got in this situation, and no help has come. Nothing has changed. I guess I'm so far away from God that God won't listen to me anymore. Or maybe it's because I'm really pretty angry with God for all this going on in my life anyway. And maybe that's why He won't listen to me. But my situation is beyond just throwing out a few prayers and everything then is all right. Well, don't give up on Jonah yet. Don't give up on Jonah's advice yet. Jonah, remember, is singing this psalm in the belly of a fish that's taking him back to the place he was running away from. It's funny. A few hours before this, Jonah's dreams of what deliverance and salvation would, have, would be were probably not what God sent to him. I doubt when he was crying out to God, I need help here, that he thought it would be in the form of a fish that would swallow him. Maybe his idea of salvation would be that I'll be sitting on the beaches of Tarshish drinking lemonade, enjoying the sun, Everything is good again. Maybe his idea of deliverance out of his situation would be, I'd be back home with my family. None of these things would have happened. Everything will be okay. It'll be just like it used to be. 
And yet, a few hours ago, remember, Jonah also refused to pray. When he was called upon to pray, he said, no thanks. That's not going to work. But now he's sinking in the ocean. I love his description. The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. And you might want to just try holding your breath. And as your lungs begin to burn, imagining what that would be like when you knew you couldn't take another breath. And Jonah's prayer changed at that point. And Jonah changed his mind about prayer. And he called out to God, All right, whatever you want to do, I'll take it. Whatever salvation you want to send my way, I'll accept it. Because you see, Jonah was delivered from more than drowning in the ocean. Jonah was delivered from himself. And from his own ideas. And what he thought things should be. This is why verse 8 in his psalm says that I will abandon vain idols. What's a vain idol? Well, he's just saying I'm going to give up on my own conceptions of God. And I'm going to let God be who God is. What a novel idea. (laughs) You know, that God doesn't have to act like I think he ought to act anymore. And I'm not going to be the one that tells him what to do. In fact, he goes on to say that those who do that, then they really abandon the true loyalty. Loyalty is the word kesed, which is that word loving kindness or steadfast love. And according to Jeremiah, don't you remember, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It never stops. And that's who God is. God always will care about us. God always will listen to us when we call to him. God will always reach out to us. But it may not be in the way we want it to be. It may not be in the way that we tell Him we want it to be. Too many times we turn down the fish that God has sent for us because we're waiting on the luxury liner to Tarshish. You know? We're waiting for God to do it the way we want it done. But Jonah learned. Hear what he says in verse 9. God, I'm going to start sacrificing to you. His willingness to give up his ideas and to accept God's ideas. And then he says, I will pay my vows. In other words, you are the Lord. I'm not. And from now on, I will live that way. And then he calls out that wonderful phrase. And probably he said this just as he was spit out on the dry land, standing there dripping of fish secretions. And he lifts up his arms and he says, deliverance belongs to the Lord. And that means the Lord sends deliverance, the Lord sends salvation, but it also means it's his salvation, his deliverance. It is the kind of salvation that he knows we need. It is the kind of salvation he chooses for us. Now, it's interesting, and the reason I pointed out to you in the reading, that the actual words that Jonah said were these. Yeshua Ladonai. 
Deliverance belongs to the Lord. And the reason I wanted to point that out to you is, do you hear the first part of what he said? Yeshuatha, deliverance, from which we hear the name Yeshua, which in Greek is Iesus, and in English is Jesus. Isn't it amazing that this little story tucked back in the Old Testament connects to us who call upon Jesus? For Jesus is the deliverance from the Lord. Jesus, the Son of God, Savior, who lived and died for us, who hung on the cross to connect God back to us and us back to Him. And just like Jonah's advice to pray, we I don't see how that works. How could someone hanging on a cross 2,000 years ago have any effect on my life today? Well, evidently, God thinks it does. And it is His deliverance that He chooses for us. And if we will but trust in that, and trust in the power of Jesus, His death, His burial, His resurrection... Just as Jonah accepted the fish. And one day we can stand and say, I've been through hell, but deliverance belongs to the Lord. May that be our faith, that we can trust His steadfast love and depend on Him to know how to get us out and how to bring us to where we need to be. It's his deliverance. It belongs to him. Let's stand and sing.